UK Stroke Forum International Journal of Stroke Collaboration Interview with speakers and presenters from the 2010 UK Stroke Forum in Glasgow, UK. Ocular causes of reading impairment following stroke include visual field loss, eye movement impairment and poor central vision. Non-ocular causes may include cognitive errors or language impairment. On the eve of the UK Stroke Forum, the International Journal of Stroke spoke to Dr Fiona Rowe, Senior Lecturer, University of Liverpool School of Health Sciences and Chief Investigator of the VIS Vision in Stroke Study. Fiona, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Please outline your interesting observational study. Well, the study, the small paper that we've put together for the International Journal of Stroke is about reading impairment, but that's part of a much larger study, which is the Visual in Stroke VIS study. And that study was a prospective multicenter observational study involving 20 hospital trusts in the UK and the Channel Islands. And that consisted of assessing stroke patients who were suspected of having a visual difficulty. So it's not a, a population study looking at the overall stroke population. It's just this subgroup who, who were suspected of having a visual problem. And we were looking at those to see exactly what those visual problems were, what the different prevalences were of different types of visual impairment, and really about providing far more information about visual difficulty after stroke to get that message across. Why did you initiate this study? Well, um, there was a professional meeting back in March 2005 amongst orthoptists. There was a lot of discussion at that time about the lack of input of eye services to stroke teams, the difficulty with commissioning eye services within stroke provision and also the lack of standardization. Um, there was very little in the literature about visual impairment um, following stroke, certainly as far as large studies are concerned. And there was a realization that really the work needed to be undertaken to provide this sort of information. And at the meeting, I proposed establishing a collaborative team to take this forward, and the VIS group emerged from those discussions. What were your expected or hoped for outcomes from the study? Well, the primary aim of the VIS study was to look at what levels of visual impairment um, were occurring following stroke, knowing that there, there had been very little substantive research into, into this. And we wanted to look at how visual impairment would impact on patients' quality of life, what sort of information resource would be needed for the multidisciplinary team, and also whether once we found the once we documented the information about visual impairment, whether that information could be used to develop and improve patient care pathways. Could you explain then how does stroke affect vision? Well, there's lots of problems that occur following stroke. Um, looking at the results that we now have from the VIS study, we've largely categorized these into four main areas. The common one, which everybody seems to recognize, is visual field loss. Um, if you ask anybody what what they think happens to vision after a stroke, they'll say, oh, you lose, you lose part of your vision. And that certainly is very common. But a very large group also have eye movement impairment where they might have difficulty looking to the side, looking up, looking down, or maybe it's just one eye that's affected. On top of that, people can have problems with low central vision. Um, so where, where, for example, you would read down a letter chart instead of, get, instead of getting down near the bottom, they're only going halfway. 
And then one of the other categories are those that have problems with their processing of visual information. So the information comes through to the brain, but the brain has difficulty processing that because of, of the stroke. And some of the problems in there would be visual inattention, uh, visual hallucinations, problems with colour vision and motion, for example. What treatment was advised in this study? Well, the treatment was largely targeted to the individual dependent on what type of visual impairment they had and the severity of that. Um, it is very important that low vision is identified in these patients um, because in many cases that is treatable either by getting them their appropriate glasses and we know a, a substantial proportion of patients admitted with strokes either don't have their glasses with them or they're the incorrect glasses. So getting that sorted out is important. But even for those who have residual low vision, um, they can be aided with low visual aids such as magnifiers and so on. So getting that referral process and treatment into place is important. For eye movement problems, the sort of symptoms that patients can have with eye movement problems include double vision, or if they've got nystagmus where there's a constant wobbling of the eyes, then the patients have ophthalopsia, which is the term that we use to describe a con their perception that the world is moving around them. Now, for double vision, they can be given little uh, plastic prisms, what we call fennel prisms, which stick on their glasses, and that will help join the double images. And in certain cases where the prisms aren't appropriate to be used, then they can be given a patch, either a complete patch over the lens or a partial patch over just half of the lens. Um, and that can help with the double vision as well. There are some patients who have problems with um, moving their eyes in to look at objects up close. And in those situations, then orthoptic exercises can be very, very useful. Patients with visual field loss can be given a lot of information about tracking with their eye movements, how to compensate with head movements. They can be given what we call a typoscope, which is um, a small open square where, whereby they've got a line underneath the print that they're reading, as well as a line to the left and right hand side. And it can just help locate their place while they're reading. And that's very useful. And then a lot of the rest is just about advice using good lighting, as I said earlier, the eye scanning and the head movements to help track along and that type of thing. And it's the advice that this is normal after a stroke. It, it is expected and there are things that can be done. And particularly with the visual perceptual problems, um, advice that these things do happen as well and that they're not going mad, for example. We do have some patients who are reluctant to tell us about visual hallucinations because they think that is a problem. So a lot of it is just explaining very, very carefully what has happened, explaining why it's happened and what can be done, either in form of an actual treatment with prisons, for example, or with advice and compensatory strategies. Were treatment outcomes included in the study? Treatment outcomes, it was really beyond the remit of the VIS study to review treatment outcomes extensively. However, for all patients that had treatment, the details of that were plotted for each of them. And there were some patients as well that we had follow-up for, um, and we, we documented all of the data for that. And we are now looking at that data specifically. What was the timing of referrals, and what are the recommendations for timing of referrals from the VIS study? We 
had 915 patients within the VIG study and the median duration from the onset of their stroke to their first eye examination was 22 days. So a lot of the patients were being seen within the first two to three weeks following the stroke. There were a couple of outliers because of late referral and so on. Um, but when we looked at the data in terms of what we were finding and also the impact, the reported impact to quality of life, the consistent feedback was the importance of the early referral and the early visual assessment. So we were detecting things quite early and getting treatment into place early as well. And that had um, an impact on general rehabilitation and excuse me, <clears throat> activities of daily living. So the recommendation now from the VID study is to carry on with early referral. There are screening forms that are available. We're happy to share these screening forms that were used during the VID study. And we would ask for these referrals to be made within the first couple of weeks of stroke. It depends on the local unit, but a lot of units do now have a direct liaison with eye care services. And certainly in the UK, there are a number of units where the orthoptist will actually go on to the stroke unit or the rehab unit to assess the patients there. And if necessary, any more detailed assessment can be made in an eye outpatient clinic and the patient is transferred. What is the role of the orthoptist with stroke patients? Well, firstly, the, the orthoptist can screen to determine whether the patient has got a visual problem or not. And that can be done very easily um, on the stroke or the rehab unit. And as I said earlier, if a more detailed assessment is subsequently required, the patient can then be seen within an eye clinic where there are more specialist pieces of equipment. Um, the orthoptist looks at the, the, whether there's a visual impairment present, determines what the type of impairment is, and at that point can choose and commence treatment immediately. On top of that, for other aspects um, where, where other ocular pathology is picked up, the orthoptist can then make um, an appropriate onward referral to other eye care services as necessary. Um, for example, if there is low vision that isn't correctable by glasses, then referral into a low vision clinic. Um, and certainly in the UK, if patients have got sight impairment, um, which would warrant um, a visual impairment registration, that can only be done by an ophthalmologist in the UK. So the orthoptist can make sure that there is referral through to the ophthalmology service and to get that registration done. Why has research into this aspect of stroke deficit, as in reading difficulty, been neglected? Well, a considerable amount has been done in terms of research activity looking at reading difficulty, but that has been mostly <clears throat> with hemianopia. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this really hasn't translated as yet into routine clinical practice. And one of the main problems is the equipment used in many of those research studies is quite expensive um, and that isn't a resource readily available to all NHS units. But in addition, visual impairment in the past has been looked more as a medical issue purely from the viewpoint of sight and acuity. And I suspect there probably has been little link between the cognitive or psychological effects of visual impairment and the impacts of visual impairment on daily living. And we know for a fact that visual problems such as eye movement impairment have also received very little attention in the stroke population. 
One of the main problems in the past is that there's been no solid treatment to restore loss of vision because it's a brain injury rather than an eye injury. And while there's a perception that that brain injury can't be fixed to restore the loss of vision, then there has also been a perception that nothing can be done to help. And it's actually that latter perception that needs to change because we know now that there are lots of treatments out there and lots of adaptive strategies can help that, that can help enormously for these patients. Dr. Fiona Rowe, thank you so much for speaking to us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. This interview was a collaboration between the International Journal of Stroke and UK Stroke Forum. You can find this series on iTunes and at the UK Stroke Forum website. This podcast was created by Carmen Lehev-Jenkins, Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke, which is the flagship publication for the World Stroke Organization. Please consider becoming a member of the World Stroke Organization. Go to www.world-stroke.org. Thank you.